0: to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, pregnancy-focused chiropractor, Dr. Elliot Berlin. Today, I have the honor of hosting two esteemed guests from Tokyo, Japan, and from the Prenatal Memory Global Project, a revolutionary initiative that delves deep into the concept of prenatal memory and its implications on our life and society. My first guest is Dr. Akira Ikagawa, a seasoned obstetrician and gynecologist with over 40 years of experience. He has extensive background in prenatal memory research and has published over 80 books on the subject, some of which have been translated into five languages. His aim is to foster a society that is collectively compassionate towards one another using the extraordinary concept of prenatal memory, holistic childbirth education, and conscious parenting as the tools. Joining Dr. Ikagawa is Yuko Igarashi, a Consciousness Studies graduate from Evergreen State College and a highly proficient English-Japanese translator. She's been working closely with Dr. Ikagawa, and together they launched the Prenatal Memory Global Project in 2018. She's currently working to become a world citizen and ambassador to help create a sustainable future by spreading the concept of prenatal psychology and prenatal memory Dr. Yukakawa and Yuko, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you very much.
2: Thank ma- you, Dr. Berlin.
0: I have to say that my initial introduction to your work was when we were searching for content, valuable content for the Informed Pregnancy Plus streaming service that we launched. And I did the search and we came up with the prenatal memory documentary. And I was fascinated from the first moment. Graciously, you were able to provide the content for the service, and anybody who's listening should watch it. It's a very fascinating watch. The first time I watched it, I was just curious and interested. The second time I watched it, it had a more deeply profound effect on my mind, and it just really opened my eyes into a whole bunch of different elements of pregnancy and childbirth and early parenting and early bonding with our babies. And ever since then, I've been talking about it with my patients and mind blown. It just gives so much different perspective to the earliest relationship we have with our babies. So I'm grateful that you made it. I'm grateful that we found it. I'm grateful that you're helping us share it with our audience. And I'd love to learn so much more about you and your background and your work. Dr. Ikagawa, what sparked you to get into medicine and obstetrics and gynecology originally?
2: 医療あの、
1: たくさんはい。<笑>
2: I just translate Dr. Igao's answer. The reason why he went into the medicine is because by the time when he was in the high school, there was a huge movement of creating more universities, hospitals, and that there are more opportunity to learn about the medicine, so he just went along with the the time how they were carrying more career into this medical field. So then his aim was for the medicine. And the reason why he went into the OBGYN was that it seemed that it's more uh, less attractive than other practices and that he felt that one day it's going to be featured more on the subject. So that's why he picked the OBGYN, which I thought it was very interesting.
0: Yes, extremely interesting. At what point, Dr. Kagawa, did you start to think more deeply about the earliest consciousness and the thoughts of the baby and what the baby might be thinking or experiencing before
1: birth? がこの いつ頃だっていうのは? それはね、もう2000年、1997年からですね。Well, あの、Dr.
2: Bolling, he got interested in this field of study around 1997. So it's not like, you know, from the beginning of his uh, medical career, but the, what point was well, really… Got him into this is that when he introduced himself as an Ojibwe doctor and talking to the educator, and the, the one of the teacher was saying that the education cannot change if the birthing is not going to get better. So he was wondering what that meant, and he didn't know what could that mean. So at that time. He got interested into the hypnotherapy, regressive therapy, and that he found out that there are earlier memories, then he thought, what's the correlation between the environment in the womb and what's the future is going to be like? And he started to want to know more about the consciousness of a baby.
0: Well, that's So powerful. So by doing hypnotherapy, regression, going back, bringing people back to their earlier memories.
2: I think he just got to know about the hypnotherapy rather than him doing a hypnotherapy. Oh, I
0: see the idea that by going back, that you can Mm -hmm. go back even beyond.
2: Right. Some patients just happen to go way before their time of Like birth or the pregnancy, or even before the conception.
0: Right. Wow, that's amazing. And then, how do you go about studying? I mean, you have so much experience now in research and data. How do you go about studying what people remember before
1: birth? (laughs) お腹の中で泳いでその well, how
2: he started this study is, when he got curious about the subject, he just casually talked to staff member in his clinic, and it happened to be two people at his clinic saying, well, I know uh, my nephew, uh, my grandson have this memory. And one actually um, boy wrote about it and he wrote us a short essay at the school. So they knew about how strange it was for the child to be remembering the time of birth. So he got curious and said, you know, would you share about it? And then more and more, he started to talk about this subject. He Find people talking about, well, you know, this is kind of strange, but and then start talking about it. And once people open up and talking about it, it's kind of like his research really started from his clinic.
0: That's so fascinating. I have so many more questions and so much more I want to learn from you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. <laughs> Welcome back. We're talking to Yuko and Dr. Ikegawa. I have so many more questions for you. Dr. Ikegawa, do you have prenatal memories yourself of
1: before you were born? Yeah.
2: Very interesting Um, Dr. Ikigawa says he does not have any sort of a memory but he realizes that people who have earlier memory tend to have this sort of like set uh, mind that they are not really open to listen to other people's story but since he does not have any memory at all it kind of like opened up to just listen to any stories that he got curious. And that's how he got all kinds of memories from people. Oh,
0: so that's so interesting. By being sort of a blank canvas.
2: Yes, uh, exactly.
0: He can better absorb. Other absorb. People's. Right. Exactly. Oh, Fascinating. And how has this learning and understanding of what the babies are experiencing before birth—how has that
2: changed your
1: approach to obstetrics and gynecology? <笑><笑> well, how it changed his practice is that
2: once he found out about the babies, actually knowing all these, almost like having a senses, which all the OBGYN, all the medical field are not aware of. uh, And uh, of course, back then, and even now, that people aren't really understanding this uh, consciousness of the baby. So once he got to know about the babies holding these memories of uh, what parents did or said or all kinds of things that just came up to him and like shared, made him realize that the babies are actually judging you know what was really happening around them and started to feel oh shoot did i do the right thing for this baby so he really started to like look back on his own like behaviors and how his practice was and then really starting to connect with baby more so that he's more aligned to baby's needs and wishes.
0: So now, like I assume, but I don't, I want to make sure that I have the right. Mm-hmm. Normally as a provider working with a pregnant person, you see mm-hmm. the pregnant person as your patient, mm-hmm. maybe this is different. Maybe he's always seen both the woman and the baby as the patient, but mm-hmm. has that sort of changed Does he consider Dr. Ikigawa, do you consider both the mother and do you care for them differently with your newer understanding?
2: 池川
1: あ、そうあの、それで自分は坂口
2: made a huge difference like it dramatically changed his practice because before he knew about the consciousness of baby it was really a matter of like looking at the numbers you know like, like if the mother is healthy you know as a you know, blood pressure or you know vitals and things like that and making sure that the mother is doing fine which Uh, equal to the baby's doing fine. But he wanted to share one of the stories that uh, there was a case uh, of a bleached baby and that uh, actually the the baby had to go through with a C-section. And after that, when this baby returned to him at 14 years of age, remembered about this incident and that this baby, well, grown-up baby said, I didn't want it, you to fix me yeah, because um Dr. Ikigawa tried to manipulate so that the baby won't be a bleached baby, but it didn't happen that way. But the baby actually wanted to be bleached, it didn't want it to be intervened with that a position, so then actually share with Dr. Ikigawa that. I did not want you to do that. It's kind of like almost holding a grudges against him that the doctor did not respect my wish. It's like, you know, the baby's uh, wish wasn't kept intact. So, you know, the baby becoming 14 years old and still remember this incident like really vividly. So that really made him change his practice because they do really know what's going on outside of the world so
0: that's really interesting because you know we do a lot of work with breech babies and you know that's a calculation that i think a lot of people take into account like maybe if my baby's breech Mm -hmm. they want to be breech or they need to be breech Mm -hmm. and um you know, it's a tough call. Sometimes, yeah. like, how much should we do? You know, there's, I think, one side, there's just giving the baby an environment in which they can turn if they want to, and then there's the option and opportunity to sort of more forcefully try to turn the baby. Do you have any sense that there's a way to get that communication
1: before the baby is born?
2: 生まれる前の赤ちゃんとコミュニケーションね。<笑> でも、
1: 割と
2: Dr. Ikigawa actually asked for the permission before he does any procedure with the baby. And the way he does it is a variety of ways. But one of the way is like a kick game, like for the baby to be saying, well, if this is yes, kick, kick here. Or if it's no, just don't do anything or something like that to actually set that parameter. Like, you know, if this is yes, or this is no. And then we try that questioning. And then if you get most of the time, the the baby will answer. And sometimes baby will say yes. Sometimes baby will say no. And usually when the baby says no, there might be some reason, like uh, medically, maybe it's danger to the baby and didn't want it to actually be turned on that particular time so in order for this like smooth communication with a baby the if the mother can practice during the pregnancy this will make it easier for the whole duration of the pregnancy to communicate with the baby what the baby wants so uh that's what he uses
0: and this is part of the uh education program that you guys put together uh teaching
2: ikega moto
1: 甘えあの、<笑> Mm.
2: Well, Dr. kigawa actually does teach pregnant women about this information, but there are actually two ways: um, people who take it and do it, and people listen to it and don't. So, people who takes his advice in and then, uh, trying to communicate with baby, and they use this, you know, variety of a uh, way to communicate, but most of them started to feel what the baby is thinking or feeling by their intuition. So they don't need to have use any sort of like uh, physical communication. They just do it intuitively, like with the senses. So it's kind of like, you know, having an ordinary conversation with a baby. Would you like to do this? And then the baby just naturally answered back to the mother without the language.
0: That's so nonverbal. Interesting. Yes. Okay, I'm going to get more to how people can sort of learn more and maybe start to practice this on their own in the third segment. But before mm-hmm. we get there, Yuko, how did you guys start to work together?
2: Actually, I have a 29-year-old boy who lives in the United States, and I have nine-year-old girl here with me in Japan, and those two Pregnancy and a birthing experience was a totally opposite. I had my son at the Naval Hospital in uh, San Diego, California, and it was like using an epidural with a big hospital and my son born with the umbilical cord wrapped around actually got torn inside of the womb oh my so that goodness. when he came out he was like blue he wasn't even crying and he was took away from me right away and went to the um, NICU right away so I didn't see him for eight hours wow wow <laughs> it was really a traumatic experience and uh, I mean,
0: my heart is dropping right now even just with
2: yeah. talking about it so you know, when I thought of uh, having a second child, I wanted to have a natural way as possible, and I had my daughter at the uh, midwifery clinic, a small midwifery clinic in Japan, and it was really uh, just natural birth, no uh, medical intervention or anything like that. At the age of almost forty-two, and it was wonderful. But then everything that I did was great until the birth, <laughs> and then everything fell apart afterwards. It's like my caring for the baby, it just became really difficult. It's like, I felt like I knew how to take care of baby. Baby always loves me. And uh, I used to be a caregiver at the daycare center. Everybody loved me. What happened to my daughter? And it was just like so miserable. I thought I was like losing myself. And uh, when I really lost the hope. It's like, you know, maybe I should die. It's like it it got really to the point where not just, uh, you know, maternity blues or anything like that. It was like depression uh, completely. And uh, I got to know Dr. Ikigawa's work. It's like, wait, so the baby has a consciousness. Okay, let's take it back. Why my daughter is crying so much and realize that I was going to dedicate my life for my daughter at that time. Which is, you know, what all the mother thinks, right? But then I realized that it's not going to live my life. It's not my path. My daughter wanted me to get out there to connect with the world because she must knew what I am capable of doing. So once I realized that and that the prenatal memory really like lightning struck to my consciousness woke me up and I decided to spread this knowledge because it helped me realize the really the important message that every single individual has a consciousness from before birth not just from birth before birth and I wanted to help that uh, word spread for Dr. and. that's what I'm doing because I can spread that information in English. So,
0: wow, Yuka, what a incredible journey and powerful calling! Thank you. And I hope with all the lives that you're touching, mothers and babies and families, it's therapeutic for you also. On yes, definitely. Very difficult time that you went through.
2: Yes, and uh, really, the funny thing is that my daughter was like like terrible too from the infancy. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe you know all that terrible parenting experience all put together but more and more i got to know about the prenatal memory and helping out with dr Kigao, she's getting better and better and better it's just like just telling me that i'm on the right path
0: that's amazing Okay, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to find out how our listeners can learn more about prenatal memory and maybe start to apply these principles to their own lives. We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back. We're talking to Dr. Ikegawa and Yuko, and we're discussing prenatal memory, what babies remember from before birth. Okay, so as I mentioned at the introduction, I sort of came to your work through the documentary, Prenatal Memory. How did this documentary come to be?
1: 2006年実は のくね。実はあの、あの、はい。
2: so originally, uh, the TB station actually captured twenty minutes documentary of his research in two thousand five, and since it was aired on television, he could not use that footage. So uh, he was actually told that. Maybe he should make his own version of it. So then he released his own documentary with a different story, capturing almost the same line of the story and released it in 2006. And he feels that it's probably the first ever scene capturing the children, talking about their memory in front of the camera. And he mm-hmm. created a DVD. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it is very fascinating, very powerful. You've assembled, you've gathered followers, certainly in Japan, you have a large network of diverse individuals, different types of practitioners and parents. How is that network growing and what's the message that you're trying to spread?
1: 木下先生、今、のおかげで男の おそらく、あの、日本国民の2割以上がもう知っている段階に来ていると思います
2: はい Well, the way he's growing his network is that First of all, about the prenatal memory, he has Prenatal Memory Education Association, which has about 200 instructors teaching the courses so that that they can spread this message to the wider uh, range of people. And also because of the COVID, um, there were people starting to spread this information on the SNS. Actually, the majority of people who is receiving this information because uh, we're talking about the pregnancy and birth and childcare and things like that, mainly for the women, but now there are more men actually starting to get interested in spreading this message on the sns and also there is a film um i think you are aware of uh, mr ogikubo's film which was released in 2013 originally and he's uh, upgrading and updating the film and it's actually 300,000 people or so watched his film already and now he's working on this new one focused on the baby's consciousness and uh, how it is helpful to talk to the baby in the womb and what would change because of the way they communicate through the pregnancy, through the birthing process, and also the parenting. And also he does a lot of the uh, lectures and he, as you know, more than 80 books. I think it's just numbers just keep them growing. So And that's how he's spreading his messages.
0: That's incredible. And you know, the uh, huge accomplishment, especially in, in addition to being a caregiver, it's amazing how much you're able to produce and disseminate. Here in the United States, what kind of resources or tools are available for people who want to learn more about prenatal consciousness and memory?
2: Yes, there are a couple of ways of getting information. There's a uh, books that you can purchase from the Amazon. One is Wombs to Thrive. And his message is in here too. And there's a change, birthing and parenting at time of crisis. And uh, he wrote an essay on this. Also, there are organization called APA, Association for Prenatal and Perinatal Psychology and Health. We are the member of APA, and you can find an article there, which actually has his uh, first research paper, and he distributed about 3,600 years consisting of 85 questions in 2002 and 2003, and then he wrote about this result in that article. So,
0: Oh, I'm very eager to read that
2: yes and uh, this is the reason why people at apa know about his work because uh, i think he interviewed um 先生何人にインタビューし 45%
1: 1620
2: so, out of 3,600 questionnaires, he got 45% of returned um, questionnaire. So, then he started to research about how to attain a memory and things like that. So, amazingly, because of his 40 years of work, the concept of prenatal memory among Japanese people, there are about 20% of people already know about this concept. Wow. Yes. yes That's a lot of people. <laughs> yes
0: amazing (laughs) i'm fascinated you could probably hear it in my voice i interview a lot of people about a lot of different topics this one just keeps my jaw dropping and i'm just scratching the surface and the reason also is because i'm working with pregnant people every day yes and sharing these ideas just basic ideas to go home and think about and then they come back and they're like wow I'm so much more connected to my baby now during the pregnancy and some of the discomforts of my pregnancy no longer really matter to me because I'm oh. so... Already relating to and connecting to my baby. And the truth is, that happens on the other side too. Like once the baby comes out and you're bending, lifting, holding, feeding, changing, not sleeping (laughs) well, you know, those don't matter as much to people because they have the baby and they're connecting to the baby. But you could do that before the baby's even born. I'm so grateful to both of you for joining me today and for the incredible work that you're doing, groundbreaking work that you're doing. So for listeners to find you online, we have a website. Akira Ikagawa.com slash en. So it's a k i r a dash Ikagawa, dot com slash en for English. And uh, also your YouTube page is at prenatal memory 5398. And there's a lot of English content there as well. Dr. Ikagawa, Yuko, thank you very much for joining me. I look forward to connecting with you again and I'm sure to consuming the future materials that you're currently working on.
2: Yes. Thank you so much for having us.
0: My pleasure. To our listeners, if you're looking for more information about pregnancy and parenting, visit informedpregnancy.com.